Um, a God of second chances. I don't know about you, but um, I have a lot of good stories in life um, that are not relatable to anything. And so um, I was trying to think of a story, and uh, one of the stories I have is um, one of my roommates in college passed away, and so I woke up in the morning to an alarm going off, and I was like, shut off your alarm, and, and he had passed away. And so I, I called in my RA, and I said, you know, um, he's gone. And they said, no, that can't be. And, and, uh, and so that, that's, a, that's a really good story for high school kids. They love that story. Um, in kindergarten, I worked in my dad's restaurant. I worked in my dad's restaurant in kindergarten. And so um, <laughs> while I was working, um, I, was, I was running underneath somebody else who was working with a big pot of five gallons of boiling water, and I ran into their elbow and dumped boiling water all over my body. And so I got third-degree burns, and I have a really cool scar up here. Um, and so that's like a good story to tell people um, when they see my scar. And and I have a lot of good stories about Pastor Wayne and, and Marge and uh, driving across the country, going to Colorado or Mount Rushmore or Florida. Um, a lot of good stories when we met Amy's family. <laughs> if you guys can imagine Pastor Wayne and Marge meeting other people. Um, <laughs> Amy was more worried than I was. And, uh, uh, you know, a lot of good stories. But, but one of the stories is um, I went to college in Pensacola, Florida, and uh, if you talk to people that have ever gone to college in Florida, the first question is like, well, how's the beach? And, uh, and, and I, I mean, I, I like the beach. I'm a big, you know, we grew up here on the lakes, and we always had a really trashy pontoon on the lake. And so we'd go swimming on the lake and uh, grew up around the Brainerd Lakes area. And for a lot of you, it's just normal. You go swimming, you enjoy that. But the ocean is a whole nother, a whole nother you know, story. And uh, so the first time we went in the ocean, I remember that salt on your, on your mouth, and you're just like, this is awful. You know, why did God create this horrible thing? Um, you know, the lakes are wonderful. You jump in and you can drink them, you know? And there's so many benefits of going swimming in a lake because you can fish and you can do everything at the same time, and you don't even have to take a shower. You don't have to do anything. You know, you're, you're basically clean coming out. And so... Why would God create the ocean, which is just gross? Um, and so I got used to it, you know, and, and in college, we used to go to the beach all the time. Um, the end of August, beginning of September, it's like 100, really humid, and so it's beautiful to go to the beach. And then late May is another good time, right before you leave school, to go to the beach. Um, but, but there were certain times where it's a not a good time to go to the beach, and one of those was during a hurricane. And I... I went through a couple of tropical storms, and when it gets over 75 miles an hour, then they declare it, you know, more of a hurricane. Um, and I can remember in 2005 that I went through Hurricane Ivan. And Hurricane Ivan was nothing that I had ever experienced before. Um, the amount of torrential downpour for days beforehand, and, uh, and this, just the winds just just craziness, and I remember as, as our college was in hurricane lockdown, we were all in the hallways or in the bathrooms, any type of room away from the windows, um, trying to, to avoid this hurricane. I can remember saying, like, why do people live here? <laughs> you know, like, Minnesota tornadoes, if you've lived through a tornado, um, you know, it's a little different, but if, you, if we've experienced them, I know me, I've never personally been affected by a tornado other than driving by and looking at everybody else's destruction. Um, but I've never had one suck me up and throw me around. Okay? And so 
until you've experienced that, you know, you have a different story when it comes to tornadoes. But this hurricane was, was nothing that I had ever experienced. And so with the torrential downpours coming around, it made for some really big waves. And if you know college guys, big waves means you go to the beach. And uh, so the college made a big special announcement in chapel, and they said, do not go to the beach. The waves are the best ever. They are unbelievable. Um, do not go. And you guys know there's, you know, it's always that question of like, do you tell people and then they know about it so they go? Or do you tell people and warn them so that they don't go? You know, and it's kind of like your kids. It's, there's certain words you say, don't say this. And then they're like, oh, that's a bad word. I didn't know about that. Okay, put that one in my vocabulary. And so um, as college kids, you know, we all looked at each other, a bunch of dumb idiots. And thankfully, Faith's home. Happy birthday, Faith. Um, Faith is not a dumb idiot, but I was. And, um, and so immediately we, we got in our car and we went to the beach. And we're like, we got to see this. And I, I had a 15-passenger van that my father so graciously had allowed me to drive to college. And so um, with a 15-passenger van, that means you can put a lot of people in the back. And so it's like, guys, let's go. We only have to pay for one parking pass. Only have to pay for one toll. Like, this is a sweet deal. Let's go. And so we got a bunch of us, a lot of us Minnesota, a lot of people from this church or from the area here that we went to school with, went to the beach, and it was unbelievable. Unbelievable. Like, waves you can't even imagine, um, and it was amazing, um, and it was, it was awful, all in the same boat. Um, we got back to college, you know, and it's like, okay, don't tell anybody we went there because we don't want to get in trouble. Um, and, and then we heard the bad news, and we heard the news that, that somebody had drowned in Pennsylvania. And that somebody had went swimming and the rip currents had pulled them out. Um, and that's just devastating news. That's not news you want to hear. But a lot of times in life, just like the story of Jonah, things happen because of decisions we make. And sometimes their consequences are far worse than what we can imagine. Sometimes, like in the story of Jonah, you get a second chance. And my challenge today is God has given you a second chance. You've been given a second chance. And if not, you will be given a second chance in the future. What will you do with it? What will you do with the second chance that God has given you? If you look at Jonah here, verse chapter 1, verse 1, it says, And the word of the Lord came to Jonah, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. And he paid the ship and he paid the fare thereof and went down into there to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Jonah had a decision here to make. God came to him and Jonah said, I do not want to obey God. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to disobey God. When the college said, do not go to the beach, we said, we're going to go to the beach. And other people did also. And, and we have choices, so many choices that you guys, that we have where God has, has either spoken to us through his word or people, parents, leaders, teachers, people have spoken to us, our bosses said things to us, people have told us, don't do this, do this, um, and we completely go the other direction. And so the first thing here we see is that Jonah disobeys God. Now, everybody, I think we all agree, we want to avoid the hard thing. Jesus here, or God, had spoken to Jonah and said, I want you to go to Nineveh, and I want you to tell them that they're living in sin. 
I want you to tell them that they're wrong. I don't know about you, but I don't want to tell other people they're wrong. Nobody wants to hear that they're wrong. Students are wrong. <laughs> you tell them two plus two is not six. Like, that doesn't make us happy. Like, I want to be told I'm right. And so we, we don't want to do that. That's, it's, this is not a, a surprise for the majority of us that we look at Jonah and say, yeah, I, I don't want to go either, Jonah. I don't want to do the hard thing. I don't want to do what you told me. I want to do what's easy. I want to do what I want to do. And so um, a lot of times we know what's best. If you look here, Jonah goes down and finds a ship going to Joppa, or and he says, well, this must be part of God's plan, right? God provided a ship. God provided a way. And, and I get on the ship, and this is great. And, and sometimes I think that we assume because maybe that everything isn't going against me, that maybe this is part of God's plan. Even though I know exactly what God told me to do and I know what I'm supposed to do, um, look at the way things are just falling into place. Look at the way that things are happening. I mean, man, that's pretty great that Jonah was able to find this ship and go to Tarshish and no problems. Nobody stopped him. Nothing's in the way. Sin will eventually harden your heart towards things that you need to watch out for. And Jonah in his life where he no longer had any desires to do what God wanted. He just wanted to do what he wanted. And so you have to be so cautious. We have to be cautious. You know how many times I'd been at the beach during a, a storm? You know how many people have told me that watch out for the rip currents? Yeah, guess what? It's never happened to me. Never been drug out to see through a rip current. I don't know about you guys. I see most of you are still here. Not a lot of uh, drowning survivors. Maybe one or two of you have, but not a lot. And so if it's never affected me and it's never actually done anything to me, then is that really that important that I follow that rule? Is it really that important that I obey that one area of my life that God's telling me to do something? Because you know what? When I've chosen to disobey, nothing's really happened. I feel like life is fine. I feel like things are okay. And I challenge you, I ch I, as I look at myself as I was studying this, I was really convicted by God with choices that I make that don't have direct, immediate consequences. Sometimes I choose to do my own thing, and it seems like everything's fine. It seems like everything's okay. But a lot of times we find out later, it's not. And that's what Jonah's going to find out. It's not okay. Number two, if you look at, at verse four, disobedience has a consequence. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like it to be broken. And the mariners, those on the ship, were afraid and cried every man unto his God and cast forth the wares that were on the ship and into the sea to lighten it. But Jonah was gone into the sides of the ship, and he lay there and was fast asleep. This is maybe surprising to you, but it wasn't to me because there's times in my, my life where when, I'm, when I know I'm doing what's wrong, I still have peace. <laughs> I'm still okay with that. There's times where we get to a place where we're not convicted anymore and where I'm comfortable in my sin. I'm comfortable in disobeying God. And Jonah goes down to the ship and goes to sleep. Now, who does that? There's a storm Shouldn't, Jonas, shouldn't Jonah be worried about what God's going to do for his disobedience? You know, shouldn't Jonah be concerned about what's coming next? And yet Jonah's like, no, nah, I'm going to bed. 
I've got this figured out. I can run from God. I can do what I want. I can disobey God. I can disobey my parents. I can disobey authority. I can disobey my boss. I can disobey whoever it is that you are dealing with. I can do that, and and it's okay. It's not going to affect me. I'm fine. And he goes down to the ship. Everybody else is freaking out. You guys notice that in your life? Where everybody around you is freaking out, and you're like, what are they so worried about? It's going to be fine. It's not that big of a deal. It's not that big of an issue. I mean, it's not like we don't all sin. We know Romans 3.23. We know that we all sin, and so it's okay. And so Jonah goes down, and he's okay. We are not alone in the storms of life. I, I really find it interesting that Jonah does not suffer the consequences alone. Look at all that are affected by the consequences. Everybody on the ship is affected. They're throwing everything overboard. Every one of them is trying to find a way to get help. Everybody is concerned except Jonah. And as we continue to go on, Jonah is pursued by God. Isn't that exciting? Isn't that fun to know that when we disobey, when we do what's wrong, God's going to pursue us? God's going to do something to get our attention? The consequences of sin will allow us then to make a right relationship with God. What if God would have just gave up on Jonah and just said, whatever, and Jonah would have been three, three verses, and Jonah disobeys God and goes to Tarshish. The end. It could be the story. You know, we don't know much about Jonah after this, after the book of Jonah, but that could have ended it right there. And, and our lesson is, obey God or you don't get used by God. But God continued to pursue him and say, no, Jonah, I have a plan for you. I want to use you. And so Jonah gets an opportunity to preach to the sailors. <laughs> Jonah gets an opportunity to talk to them about their God. If you look down in verse 8, it says, And they said to him, Tell us, we pray thee, for whose cause is this evil upon us, and what is thine occupation, and whence comest thou? What is thy country, and for what people are thou? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, that made the sea and the dry land. He gets an opportunity to preach to them. Hey, I'm a Christian. I serve the God who created us. I serve the God who died on the cross for us. I serve the God who gives second chances. Uh, yeah, this is my fault. If you look at verse, nine, verse 10. And the men were exceedingly afraid. So he said to them, because I am a Hebrew, um, why hast thou done this, they say to him? And for the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. He, he had already explained his situation to them. He had already told them that, yeah, you know, I'm trying to, to do my own thing. I'm trying to do what I think is best. Um, And the men were probably like, yeah, welcome to the world we live in today, where everybody wants to do whatever they want. We want to do what pleases us. We want to do whatever is going to make us happy. And so he had already told them that. They knew that, um, but but they're really afraid. And so if you look at verse 11, then they said to him, what shall we do unto thee that the sea may be calm for us? For the sea is rot and and, and another word. Tumetuous, yeah. There's a storm, people, okay? There's a really bad storm. And so they're, they're like, what do we do? I don't know about you guys, but anytime that there's a problem in my life, I love to blame other people. I love to find somebody whose fault it is. And Jonah, Jonah knows it's his fault. And Jonah's like, yep, this is God trying to get a hold of my life. 
This is God punishing me, giving me consequences for choosing to disobey him, choosing to go directly against what God wants for my life. And so if you continue on in verse 12, he said to them, Take me up, cast me forth into the sea, so the sea shall be calm for you, for I know that it is my sake that this great tempest is upon you. Jonah realizes that the only way for this to be solved is for him to die. And I don't know if you guys have ever read that part. Um, that's something that I never thought about until I was studying this, that, that Jonah is willing to sacrifice his life and say, you know what, I chose to disobey God and the consequences, I'm willing to accept them. I'm willing to accept the consequences that God has given me. I'm willing to allow other people to experience a good life, a happy life, because I'm going to own my own consequences. I'm going to own my sin. This was my poor decision. I'm not going to let, uh, let it affect other people. That, that's something that we're not very popular for doing in today's world. We don't own our sin. We don't take on the consequences of our sin, our actions. We, we so want to blame other people. We so want to just hold tight. I remember multiple times in my teaching career where people would lie right to my face and, and I would be like, no, you were cheating. I watched you. I saw you. Like, nope. And it doesn't matter what you say to them, they will not admit it. And, and isn't that true with us? <laughs> we just don't want to admit it because then we have to own our consequence. We have to own what's coming and a lot of times it's not good. And, and we made the poor decision and yet we don't want the consequences that are going to come. So he gets an opportunity to preach to the sailors and tell them that, you know, the God that created everything, he's the one that I disobeyed. He's the one that I made mistakes, and now I'm dealing with the consequences, and so the only way to fix this is to throw me overboard. Now, they don't believe him. If you continue reading, they're like, come on, guys, just keep rowing to shore. We can beat it, um, and, and they couldn't. And so finally, if you look at the end of verse uh, chapter, chapter 1, finally, um, we see, number three, that God works in a very unique way to get Jonah's attention. In verse 17, well, in verse 15, they took Jonah up and cast him forth into the sea, and the sea ceased from her raging. Can you guys imagine that? You're on the boat. <laughs> you're on the boat. You think you're going to die. You've thrown all of your money overboard, all of your supplies, everything that you had. The only thing left are people. And Jonah says, I have to go overboard and, and this problem will be solved. And you, you know, the one, two, three, ready? We throw him overboard and he hits the water. Can you guys imagine just the calm? And they must have just been amazed. Because in today's world, you guys know if we're in a storm, that doesn't happen. It, it doesn't just become calm. And so Jonah's preaching, Jonah's teaching, Jonah's example, his testimony on the boat is immediately seen in action. And immediately they say, wow, the God that created us, the God that created the sand, the land, the sea, the storm, wow, this is pretty amazing. And so the men feared the Lord exceedingly, in verse 16, and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows to the Lord. And, and the, the testimony that we have during the storm is really important. The testimony we have during our consequences is really important. Our kids, you know, our kids are one thing, but you guys know you affect other people, right? You know that I'm watching. You know, I, I look around here. You, you guys know, most of you know that I've been here for, this will be 15 years. I've been watching you for 15 years. Some of you, you know, in weird ways. <laughs> uh, I was talking to Pete Ross this morning. 
You guys ever watch Pete Ross work? It's like a circus, right? Like, you think you're going to die. He thinks he's going to die. Everybody's afraid for their life. And yet, I mean, the man never hurts anybody. He never gets hurt. Right, Pete? <laughs> Most of the time, okay? And, and like, am I watching Pete Ross while he works at his house for his living, for his job? Yeah. Am I watching you when you walk to church as you, as you parent your kids? As you do life? We're watching each other. You're watching me. It's important to know how do, I, how do I go through my life when there's bad things, when I disobey, when I have consequences, when there's things happening in my life. What is my testimony to others around me? Because during the storm is when people take notice. During the consequence is when people want to know how you react. Are you willing to turn to God? Are you willing to turn from your sin to reconcile with the, with the God who died on the cross, who sent his son to die for us? Are we willing to reconcile to God during our consequence, during our sin, and say, please forgive me, I'm going to turn from that? Because that's where Jonah finally got to the point where he said, God, you know, told the men, throw me overboard. This is my consequence. I'm willing to deal with it. But God, that's the, the most exciting part of this whole story is but God. God is continually pursuing Jonah. And so God works in a very unique way. If you look at chapter 1, verse 17, the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. This is, a, this is one of those stories where if we could only see it, um, if you could only imagine, if we could just be there, you know, this would be a ride at Disney World the greatest of all you know, rides where a giant fish swallows you and swims around. Uh, I, I, I just can't even imagine what's going on for Jonah for three days. What was his first thought as he gets swallowed by a fish? Well, this is a unique way to go. Like something I never imagined. I just thought I would die, but hey, God's got a sense of humor. I guess I'm going to decompose inside a fish. I mean, what was he thinking? You know, what, what is this that he is imagining, the next reality TV show? What, what's going to happen after this? But I would imagine that Jonah had given up because for three days, we don't, we don't really see that he does anything. Don't you think, like, my first thought is that Jonah would immediately cry out to God for help. And according to the story, it doesn't look like he did. It looks like Jonah just thought it was over. But in the belly of this fish for three days and three nights, if you look at chapter 2, verse 1, it says, Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord, his God, out of the fish's belly. He prays to God, and in the whole chapter, he talks to God and says, God, I have forsaken you. I have turned from you. I have not obeyed you. I did not ask for your help. I did not seek your wisdom. I did not obey you. I am sorry. I disobeyed. I did what was wrong. And he praises God for who he is. He praises God for what God has done in his life. And at the end of chapter 2, it says in verse 9, But I will sacrifice unto thee, O Lord, with the voice of thanksgiving I will pay that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. And the Lord immediately spake to the fish, and it vomited, Jonah, and it vomited out Jonah onto dry land. 
I mean, this story just gets better, right? Can you imagine getting spit onto dry land? Like, who's watching this? Who's seeing this? What is happening in this story to, to where God is now speaking to fish, where God is now commanding the sea, commanding all of creation? Like, what an amazing God that we serve. What an amazing God that uses all of creation in his plan, in our lives. And so we see here um, that he prays to God for deliverance and God gives it to him and, and God gives him a second chance. Now, it, it's not without consequence. It's not without Jonah's emotional. He was probably pretty emotional at this point in his life where he was pretty upset about, man, I thought I was going to die. Then I get swallowed by a fish, spend three days in there, and now I'm vomited on a dry land. You know, what is next? What's going to happen next? And if you look at chapter... Chapter 3, verse 1, it says, And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah a second time, saying, Arise, go into Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it, preaching that I bid you. So Jonah arose and went unto Nineveh. The second time God comes to him, the second time that that circumstance comes into your life, we have a choice. Jonah could have ran. Now, now maybe all of us, maybe all of you um, are like, well, He's not an idiot. He's, he's not going to run from God twice. But, but if you look at your own life, <laughs> if I look at my life, I say, man, well, you know, God, God's not going to do that again. You know, lightning doesn't strike in the same place twice. This, this couldn't possibly happen again. And so a lot of times in our life, we're like, well, well you know, we'll just see. We'll see if this really is going to happen. Is God really going to cause a storm? Is he really going to make me get thrown overboard and swallowed by a fish? I mean, is that really going to happen again? And a lot of times, I think that's where the story goes in our life. Is We don't learn our lesson. We get a second chance and we waste it. We get a second chance and we choose to do what we want. We choose to do what we, what we think is best. And once again in the story of Jonah, we don't know what would have happened but we would assume that the people of Nineveh all die and go to hell. That if nobody goes and tells them about who God is and that he's going to destroy Nineveh in 40 days, that how would they have the chance to hear the gospel? And Jonah doesn't know that in the story. Jonah doesn't know that they're going to repent. Jonah doesn't know how God is going to use him. Yet Jonah chooses to use the second chance to honor and glorify God. And I challenge you, as I've been challenged this week, is use the second chances God gives me to honor and glorify him. To do something for Christ. To make a difference in the world, in Brainerd Baxter, in your life, in your job, in your career, in your family. Use it for God's glory. We don't always know why God is giving us a second chance. We don't always understand it, but we have that chance. Let's use it. Let's do something for Christ. And so number four, God rewards Jonah's obedience. If you look at chapter three, verse two, it says, Arise, go to Nineveh. And verse four, Jonah began to enter the city a day's journey. And he cried yet, In 40 days, Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them, even to the least of them. And, and they're talking about how large of a city this was. You know, Nineveh was probably like 60 miles wide, which took three days at walking 20 miles a day, which is pretty aggressive. 
Um, but Jonah is, is spit out on dry land. He immediately follows God, serves God, and as soon as he gets to Nineveh, he starts preaching. You know, some of the commentary I was reading says, you know, would you take a break? <laughs> would you check into the local hotel and take a night off and just rest? You know, some me time, some time for me to rest. But Jonah is immediately active serving God. And immediately God rewards him by the first day journey. As soon as he enters the city, people start accepting Christ. People say, you know what? What we're doing is wrong. What we're doing is sin. We need to accept Christ. And, and it's interesting because God can use us in spite of our sin. God uses Jonah in spite of his disobedience. And that gives hope to me. That gives hope that, that when I make mistakes and when I sin and I disobey, there's still hope that I can still be used by God to do great things. I can still be used by God to make a difference. Like, what a great example from Jonah. God wants us to do great things, to do mighty things for him. It's important that we do the small things, but don't you love to be a part of the big things? Don't you like to be a part of the big, big, big picture? Man, it's exciting to be a part of a big picture. Um, this week, this two weeks ago, we got to be, I got to be um, in charge of the Fantastic with Dan Newton from Faith. And um, being a part of a big youth activity where you're inviting 150 people to come and you're flying in a speaker and doing all this stuff, and it's kind of a lot of work culminated into just a few hours of work or a few hours of uh, an opportunity to minister to teenagers. But to see somebody come to Christ, to see two people saved during the fantastic, that's exciting. That's a, that's to me, that's a mighty work that God uses us to be a part of. But but you know, there's a lot of other things happening, right, at our church, in our community, in your family. There's a lot of little things happening, and God wants you to be a part of that. But He can't use you in your disobedience. He can't use us in our sin. If we're running from God. He cannot use us to save the people of Nineveh. We have to be willing to turn to God, to ask for repentance, to, to immediately be active in serving God. I think it's interesting if you look at verse 7, and he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh, the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, let neither man nor beast nor herd nor flock nor anything taste anything, let them feed nor drink water, but let men and beasts be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto the Lord God. Yea, let them turn everyone from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hands. Who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger that we perish not? This is the king of Nineveh that says this. This is the people in our lives who don't believe in God. This is the people in our lives who are unsaved. We can have a testimony on them. Jonah was a testimony on them to where even them looked around and said, you know, maybe, maybe God does care about me. Maybe God will save me. Maybe God will allow me to go to heaven, will, will allow me to have salvation. We have that opportunity to tell them about Christ. And I challenge you to be active in telling other people about who Christ is, who God is in your life. Because that's what Jonah's doing is he's telling them about who God is. This is who God is. God's going to destroy this city unless you repent and turn to him. And the king says, maybe, just maybe, God will repent from his, from his desire to destroy us. And if, in verse 10, this is the best part of the story. And God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, 
and God repented of the evil that he had said that he would do unto them, and he did it not. God answered prayers because of Jonah's willingness to be used by God a second time. And, and I challenge you today to, to make a decision. What, what is that decision that you need to make? Maybe you need to accept Christ as your Savior. Maybe you've never made the decision to say, you know what, God died for me. God sent his son Jesus to die for me on the cross. He's offered me eternal life. He's offered me a home in heaven if I'm just willing to accept it. Maybe that's what you need to do. You need to accept Christ as your Savior and say, I want to know for sure I know where I'm going to go when I die. Maybe that's the decision you need to make. Maybe, maybe you're running from God. Maybe you're like Jonah. You, you know what you're supposed to do and you're running the other direction. And you know what? It seems like everything's fine. You got your ticket, you're on the boat, you're sleeping in the bottom, and, and you, just, you just assume that since major things haven't happened, that God must be a part of this, and he's not. And God wants to get your attention. He sees you, and he's going to pursue you. Are you ready to turn to Christ? Are you willing to repent of your sin and turn to Christ? He's waiting for you, and he wants you to turn to him today. And I challenge you during, during the time um, of decision where I challenge you to come forward and make that decision. I challenge you in your seat, make the decision to say, you know what, God, I don't want to run from you anymore. I want to turn to you. I want to repent. And I, and I want to follow you. I want to be used by you. Give me a second chance to be used by you. Maybe you're just, maybe you're just getting out of your second chance. You've just been vomited out on a dry land and, and you now have this second chance. Are you going to obey God the second time? Are you going to serve God today, tomorrow? For the rest of your life, are you willing to be used by God to do great things, to do mighty things? Because he wants to use you. He wants to use us to do mighty things for him. God, I pray for each one of us in here. God, I pray for myself, Lord, the decisions that I need to make. I thank you for the second chances you've given me, the opportunities, Lord. Sometimes those consequences are dire. Sometimes they cost us everything. Lord, I pray that you'd get a hold of our life. I pray that you'd help us to turn from our sin and repent, that we would choose to use that second chance, Lord, to honor and glorify you, to make a difference in our world, to reach this world for Christ, to be a good testimony and example to those around us. Help us not waste the opportunities you give us. Help us to use them to honor and glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen.